Episode 15, what to do when your spouse isn't doing what you want them to do. This is the Expat Mom Podcast, a podcast for expat moms around the world who want to feel better and improve their emotional health as they navigate the unique challenges of living and mothering abroad. I'm your host, Jenny Linton. I'm a certified life coach, a mom to four daughters, and married to a U.S. diplomat. I've lived in six countries on four continents. I know what it's like to feel stuck emotionally, and I know how to get unstuck. I'm excited to share with you some tools to help you feel less discouraged, improve your relationships, and increase your confidence. Welcome back, expat moms. I hope you had a wonderful week. Uh, This last week, as it was leading up to the U.S. election, my husband, who's a diplomat, hosted a meeting for local Chinese to learn about the electoral process. And the participants got to be part of a mock election. And I was really interested to hear that several of the participants mentioned how much they enjoyed the process of voting and getting to have a say in the winner of even this mock election. And it's caused me to really think differently about our U.S. election. As messy as our U.S. election was this year, I think it's been really interesting to see the election through the eyes of people who live under a different form of government. And it's caused me to really reflect about what a privilege it is just to have elections and be able to vote. I think most of us probably have a lot of opinions about what others should and shouldn't do surrounding elections and voting. And that leads us right into our topic today. We are talking about what to do when your spouse isn't doing what you want them to do. Whether we realize it or not, most of us have a long list of shoulds for our spouses. Some common shoulds I hear include, they should clean up after themselves. They should listen and remember what I say. They should agree with me. They shouldn't criticize me. We attach these shoulds to how we feel about our spouse. And we attach these shoulds and whether or not our spouse is doing them to whether or not we feel happy. Many of these shoulds feel fair. They feel reasonable. And for the most part, things usually go fine when our spouse agrees to do them and they actually follow through. But the problem is that many times our spouse does not follow our list of shoulds. One expat mom shared that her husband did not do anything for one of her important birthdays. She had hoped that he would buy her a meaningful gift or make a cake or have a celebration or gather friends together for a big party, but he didn't. She felt really disappointed and hurt and frustrated. So in this case, her should was, my husband should do something big for my birthday. I really like the way one of my mentors, Brooke Castillo, talks about this principle. She explains that each of us have unwritten manuals for other people. Just kind of like when we buy a new car or a new appliance, we receive a manual that tells us how the system should operate. Each of us probably has a manual for our spouse, even if it's not officially written down. This includes all sorts of instructions and expectations, including things like how they should drive, what they should do for our birthdays, how they should respond when we talk to them, how they should manage their career, what they should do around the house, how they should spend money, how they should parent, how they should eat, and more. Unfortunately, even though our manuals might seem reasonable, they might be fair and even helpful, they usually don't work. And not only do they not work to get the other person to behave how we want, they usually make us and our spouse miserable. 
When we try to get someone to do something, the other person often feels resistant. None of us like feeling forced into something. And if we do comply with someone else's manual, often we feel resentful if it's something we don't want to do. In my coaching, sometimes I see somebody who has a manual for their husband. The husband doesn't want to do it. And yet the wife continues to press the husband to do it. Sometimes he does, but oftentimes he feels resentful. And then his behavior often feels insincere and unfulfilling to the wife. Since what the wife really wants is not just for him to do the thing, but to want to do it. Just going through the motions doesn't feel very fulfilling. If we go back to the example we mentioned earlier about the birthday, the woman may have nagged her husband to do something for her birthday, and he may finally have done something for her birthday, but he may have ended up feeling resentful because he didn't have the time or the energy or the interest. He might have done the party, but he might have been exhausted and frustrated on the birthday, even if he had thrown her a party. And it's possible this woman might have felt just as terrible as if he had done nothing. In addition to it often being unfulfilling when we try to nag and force someone to do something, when we try to get our partner to comply, we might end up acting in a way that we aren't proud of. We may end up nagging, complaining, resenting, manipulating, avoiding, or a number of other behaviors in order to get our spouse to do what we want. For example, in this story, the woman might be likely to pull away emotionally from her husband. She might be disappointed and give him the quiet treatment. She might express irritation to her spouse through little underhanded comments, or she might go off on one big tirade. She might be tempted to do something rude back to him to get revenge, such as not picking up the dry cleaning or not doing something for her spouse's birthday. The more we try to control our husband's behavior to get them to follow our instruction manual, often the more miserable we both become. Ironically, we wanted our spouse to follow our manual so we could feel happy, but trying to get them to do what we want can make you and them miserable, the opposite of what we originally hoped. When you add up the disconnection in your marriage and your frustration over their behavior, your frustration over your behavior, it's possible that you might even be more miserable in the first place than you would have been if you had just experienced the disappointment of them not doing the thing you wanted in the first place. So it seems like we have a tough position here. We don't want to stop having expectations altogether, but it seems like when we have expectations and we try to get our spouse to do them, we end up feeling miserable. So what's the solution when our spouse doesn't want to do what we want them to do? If we want to feel more peace, the solution is to rewrite your manual. Instead of having a manual full of shoulds for your partner, you can decide to accept what they are doing as reality and then decide what you want to do about it. Let me explain what I mean. Since we can't control the other person, we don't want to make our happiness dependent on their behavior. If we do, we give all of our control over how we feel to them. We're only happy if they do what we want them to do. We end up in a powerless, needy spot. While we cannot control our spouse's behavior, we can control our behavior and thoughts, and we can choose to think and do things that will allow us to feel more empowered and allow us to feel how we hope to feel. One of the things I love about living in Asia for the last few years has been learning about Buddhism, which is a prominent religion here. 
One of the primary tenets of Buddhism is the practice of acceptance. The Buddha taught that suffering comes from thoughts, not what actually happens. He found that when we accept the reality of things as they are, not as we wish they were, we have significantly less suffering. In other words, it's not what our husband does that makes us frustrated. It's how we're thinking about it. If we spend our energy thinking about how frustrated we are, we end up feeling awful. And as we talked about earlier, frustration doesn't change our partner very often. It usually makes us miserable. It's much more productive and peaceful to accept what our partner does and then decide what we will do. This is a phrase I love to use to help me rewrite my manual when I find myself stuck in shoulds. It would be nice if blank, insert the person's name, would do blank, insert what you want them to do, but they aren't. So my best action is to blank, insert what you can do in order to create what you're hoping to create or in order to be the kind of person you want to be. So let me go back to the example of the, the woman who had the birthday. She might rewrite her manual for her husband, something like this. It would be nice if my husband would throw me a big birthday party, but he didn't. So I'm going to throw one. Or she might decide it would be nice if my husband would throw me a big birthday party, but he didn't. So I'm going to decide to love him anyway, but let him know that I'd really appreciate a party next time. Rewriting our manual this way takes the power of how we feel back from our spouse and puts it in our own hands. If we want to feel celebrated on our birthday, we can take the action to create that celebration. It doesn't mean that we won't be disappointed that our spouse didn't do it, but it does mean that we won't add irritation and powerless to the pile of negative emotions that we feel. When we simply accept what the other person is doing, it frees us up to ask the question, what now? Who do I want to be? These questions get us a lot closer to peace and connection than the thought he should have done blank. Let me address a few concerns that clients often bring up when I teach this principle. Number one, if I just accept what he's doing, I'm condoning it, or he may may even think that I like it. Clients often say, you just want me to stop asking things from my spouse? You want me to be okay with them not doing anything for my birthday? You want me to be okay with them criticizing me or buying expensive things when I haven't agreed to it? The answer is no. You don't have to decide that you like what they are doing. And you also don't have to decide that you're okay with it. I want to be really clear that acceptance is not the same thing as condoning or encouraging our partner to do something we don't like. It simply means that we acknowledge what is happening and choose not to spend a lot of emotional energy resisting it. The truth is they're already doing what they want to do. You wanting them to stop doesn't change that. You can decide to keep being mad about it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But be really clear that being mad does not bring about change in the other person very often. And be clear that you can be disappointed when the other person didn't do or won't do something you want them to. And at the same time, you can still take action to create the thing you had hoped your partner would do. The expat mom in the story might be disappointed that her husband didn't plan a party and she can decide to throw one for herself. She's accepting the fact that even though she wishes he would have thrown a party, he didn't. Now she's free to figure out what she wants to do next. 
Another question I often get from clients is, well, what about abuse? What if somebody is treating you badly physically or emotionally? I want to be really clear that rewriting your manual does not mean you allow people to take advantage of you or to treat you poorly. We can allow others to act how they want to and accept that they're going to act that way. And sometimes the action we choose to do is to protect ourselves. We can set boundaries and enforce them to keep ourselves safe. I want to be really clear that active abuse is beyond the scope of coaching and should be addressed with a licensed therapist who specializes in abuse. However, most of us will experience criticism or other times when we feel taken advantage of, and this is a great time to exercise the tool of rewriting our manuals. Let me share an example of a client who has been really mastering this principle. One of my clients has a husband who is constantly critical. For years, she tried to fix the things he criticized in order to stop his criticism, but he continued to criticize her no matter what she did. She became discouraged and depressed. For a while, she tried to ignore his criticism, but he still continued to criticize her. The more fed up she became with his criticism, she began getting angry back and being critical back towards him. She asked him to stop directly many times, but he continues no matter what she does. Finally, she accepted the fact that he is going to continue criticizing her. This has been a really hard thing to accept, but accepting this fact has been so freeing for her. Now she can stop putting her energy into trying to change him and decide what her best action is. Her new manual sounds something like this. I wish that he would stop criticizing me, but he's not going to change. So I'm not going to expect that he'll change. I will take actions to protect myself. When he's critical, I'll go in another room and shut the door or I'll leave. I will not turn his anger on myself and criticize myself. This simple shift has been huge for her in being able to feel more peace in her life. And the same principle goes for abuse of any kind. One way we keep ourselves in an unsafe situation is to keep hoping our partner will change or stop. It's common to do this even after a partner has shown for multiple years that they aren't going to change. Each time they don't change, we are repeatedly subjected to abuse. Accepting the fact that our spouse isn't going to change can help us make the decision to protect ourselves by leaving or doing whatever is necessary to be safe in the situation. Another concern that I hear from clients is, so do you mean that I shouldn't tell my spouse what I want them to do? Accepting our spouse's behavior does not mean that we don't make requests. Of course, it's important to tell our spouses what we'd like them to do. It's important to make requests of our spouses about what we would appreciate. Oftentimes, the reason our spouse isn't doing what we want is simply because they don't know it's our expectation. Sometimes when we simply tell them what we want, our spouses will be happy to meet our requests. But whether or not they do, we can decide not to hang our happiness on whether or not they comply. In the example I just shared, my client made it really clear to her husband that she would appreciate if he would stop criticizing her. She gave him examples of how she would appreciate if he would respond, but she didn't make her happiness and peace dependent on whether or not he did stop criticizing her. She decided that she could feel peace regardless of what he chose to do. The last concern I'm going to share today that clients sometimes bring up is if we accept others, bad behavior, won't it just enable them to do more of the behavior? Some people think that if you allow people to do whatever they want, their behavior will just get worse. Or clients worry that they're enabling the bad behavior of their spouse. 
This belief is common, but it isn't accurate. While it may be true that your spouse might continue doing the behavior, I think it's interesting to ask yourself, is the reason they're continuing the behavior because I am enabling them? Remember, your spouse was already doing the behavior. Our brains assume erroneously that if we resist enough, somehow it will change their behavior. But it's interesting to ask yourself the question, is resisting their behavior working? Is it getting them to change? Often when we resist our spouse's behavior, it's harder for them to change, not easier. What often makes the spouse's behavior worse or enables the bad behavior to continue is actually our negative response to their behavior. For example, our spouse might feel defensive because of the nagging and feel like it's too hard on their pride to change, or they may feel justified in continuing their behavior because of our bad behavior. Let me give you an example. One of my clients shared that her husband went out and bought a really expensive item without talking to her first. It cost several thousand dollars and she was really angry because she wouldn't have chosen to purchase that item and her husband refused to return it. In this case, my client's manner for her husband was, my husband should talk to me before he buys expensive items. This seems like a reasonable and fair manual. But the more she thought about her manual, the more miserable she became, the more angry she became at her husband, and the worse the relationship got. Because she was angry, she yelled at him, she ignored him, and finally, she went out and bought something expensive that she wanted without telling her husband, hoping to show him how frustrated she was but none of the approaches she took helped fix the problem. He didn't return the boat, and their marriage didn't get any closer. In fact, her behavior actually made the problem worse. Her quote-unquote bad behavior wasn't stopping his quote-unquote bad behavior. In fact, he even felt more justified the next time he wanted to make a purchase because he could think things like, she's so unreasonable, or she bought something without asking, so I can too. Do you see how resisting this purchase might be actually what enables him not allowing him to make the purchase in the first place? We talked about how, while it was perfectly reasonable to expect that her husband should talk to her before making a purchase, the fact was he didn't. And the more she tried to resist that and change him and make him frustrated, the worse things got. So we worked on rewriting her manual. It sounded something like this. It would be really nice if my husband would talk to me before buying a boat, but he didn't. So now my best action is I want to calmly express to him my feelings and make a request that he talk to me if he makes another big purchase over a certain amount. She decided to apologize for making her big purchase without asking him. And she decided that since they already had the item and they couldn't return it, she wanted to find a way to enjoy that item too. Even though the situation was imperfect and she was still disappointed about the boat, she was able to find a lot more peace and connection with her husband, even though he didn't change. When we give people the benefit of the doubt, it often brings out the best in people. When they don't feel pressured and guilty, they're actually much more likely to do what we ask. Think about the last time your spouse gave you the benefit of the doubt about a behavior you knew you really shouldn't have or should have done. Did you want to do more? or less of the thing that you were doing. I learned a really big lesson about this from my husband. I love to get things done. And sometimes I admit that I get impatient if the kids aren't moving very fast or if things are taking a long time. I know it's not a very helpful attribute, but I haven't mastered changing it yet. 
When I act impatient, I know my husband is thinking, it would be really nice if she were more patient. But instead of being critical and trying to change me, he often lovingly offers to take over or ask how he can help. Immediately, I feel thankful and humbled and even a little guilty. I want to be more patient, not less patient. In contrast, if he were to criticize me, I would feel more defensive and probably be impatient with him for being impatient with me. By taking responsibility for his own happiness, rather than feeling like he has to get me to act in a certain way, he is able to act in a way that he's proud of, and he makes it a lot easier for me to change as well. Even if our spouse doesn't change, changing our shoulds from what others should do to what we can do in the situation is definitely more likely to bring out the best in us and in them. When we rewrite our manuals, we take back power over how we feel. We no longer depend on our spouse to act a certain way in order for us to feel good. This frees us up to create what we want to feel by how we think and what we do, not by what our spouse does or doesn't do. It also eliminates many of the conditions that we place on loving our spouse, and it allows us to love them just the way we are. We are the ones who benefit from feeling love for our spouse. Love is always the most powerful emotion. It drives our best actions and elicits the best actions of others. You get to choose who you want to be and how you want to feel, even if your spouse never acts in the way that you want them to. I want to close by finishing up with an expat exit strategy. I want you right now to think of something your spouse does that bothers you. Most likely you've spent a lot of time practicing your manual for your spouse with a thought, something like he should blank insert what you wish he would or wouldn't do. Now think for a minute about what you do to resist this or to change your spouse. And ask yourself, is it working? Is it causing them to change? Or is it possible that it's actually making things worse? If resisting isn't making things better, please consider getting out your phone or a piece of paper right now. And let's rewrite your manual. It could sound something like this. It would be nice if my spouse did blank. Insert the thing that you'd like them to do. But the fact is that they don't. So my best action now is to blank, insert the thing that you think you could do to create the feeling that you're hoping to feel by your spouse doing what you want them to do. The next time you notice yourself thinking the thought from your old manual, my husband should blank, consider practicing your new manual. It doesn't mean you're happy with what your spouse is doing. It simply means you're taking responsibility for creating your own happiness, regardless of what they choose to do. I'd love to hear an example of an old and new manual that you have for your spouse. You can leave a comment on my Instagram account at the expat mom coach. And if you'd like more help working through a difficult relationship or rewriting your manual for your spouse, jump on and schedule a 30 minute free coaching session. And we'll work through some of your manuals and how to rewrite them. You can sign up at my website at theexpatmom.com. The link is in the show notes. Have a wonderful week. If you'd like help applying the tools you're learning on this podcast, sign up for a free private 30 minute mini coaching session on any topic you'd like help on. You can schedule it on my website, theexpatmom.com forward slash schedule. Also, 
If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes to help other people find it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.